The following podcast is an audio version of a live show that takes place daily on Crowdcast. To join our live audience, visit our Crowdcast website at crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. That's crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. We're not allowed to have fun anymore. So lieu of fun, let's at least not be bored. Come on, and we're live. Today is Friday. It is 5.04 p.m., May 6, 2022. We are not allowed to have fun anymore, but in lieu of fun, we have cheese night in public places. <laughs> yep, public places. It's okay. Sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. I will turn off. I, I don't know. So, why don't, GDF, why don't you go ahead and tell us um, what you're going to say about Lou? Oh, so he's gigantic now. Um, but he also his I caught him on camera. He's pulling to stand, and I didn't realize that he was capable of doing this. And um, of course, like baby cameras are like the beginning of the surveillance state, and it does make you think about like how comfortable do I want him to be, knowing that he's being watched all the time, and how much am I willing to keep this up through his childhood? Because honestly, it does help a lazy parent such as myself to be like, oh, he's alive. Okay, we're fine. Like instead of like going in there and waking him up or whatever. So I know we're very, I'm very loud, but. Um, Scott Hershevitz's book came out, Nasty British and Short. I want to read so this. so good. I know. I have a copy for you. Um, and I'll give it to you next weekend. Um, but I do want to say that this is this interesting thing that I'm kind of curious about how much forethought you put into this as a thoughtful person, about how you're going to, like, surveil or give your child privacy. This is something I think about all the time. I'm also very aware that a lot of people make jokes about their kids on Twitter and use their kids as like fodder. And mm -hmm. I don't even think about it. And then someone said something to me the other day of like, do you think that these kids are going to want all of their like kind of lives and the fact that they were like these little idiots on, on, on this public space. And yeah. I don't know. I've started thinking about it more. It's, it's intense. So we made the decision that we weren't going to like, obviously he comes on the show. Um, but we made the decision we weren't going to post about him on like Instagram and like I'll rarely post about him on Twitter. And usually if I do, it's like the back of his head because I thought like particularly Instagram because it's so like the, the medium is so image based. Like how much do I really want his entire life documented and like everyone's very protective of their own image. And I feel like that's only going to become something you want to protect more as time goes on and so we had a conversation where we're like all right we're gonna try and keep him off of instagram and honestly but that's like his face like yeah. that's like but like what about talking about him in text um i find I, I mean i've thought about it and like i do try not to mention his name on on twitter so like it, it's also like just the content of what he's doing i i feel like as he gets older and like he'll be able to speak and have like his thoughts clearly said to me it'll become more of an issue because then like what happens if he says something that's funny at the time and then is held against him later like who knows but he'll be three um and they'll dig it up <laughs> which is also like the other thing too right because unless we come to like a bit more of grace i think as a society for people to change their views and opinions like you'll never meet anyone more politically incorrect than a child i think and they say the darndest things or the funniest things and they're funny because they're just little id. It's just id. And I mean, that's not who they'll be the rest of their lives. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, it's very complicated. And um, Andrew's very good about this because he just doesn't, he's just like, no, I'm just doing the iron curtain. And like, I'm like a little more sherry. I think that's like, just, it's hard because it's like, I'm proud of this little person. And I think that his farts are funny. And I think other people will think that he wakes himself up farting is funny. But <laughs> um, a person who will go unnamed, uh, who has surveillance photos of, hi, David, um, who has surveillance photos like in their crib, as everyone does now, um, like had this whole thing where like for a while the child was sleeping and raising his arms up straight up into the air on his back, just straight up in the air, and then would <laughs> fall asleep. 
and they would like hit, fall down and hit him in the face and he would wake himself up and then start screaming and this was a great entertainment to me yeah. um but i got i heard about it in private text and like not in a in a in a, mm -hmm. in a like a in a group chat even or in on twitter but david what is your inclination here having had children that are older than well you have children i don't have children at all their ears are older than me. Go for it. So with kids ranging from 12 to 28, what I would say today is that um, pictures of, of Luke being, being a baby. I mean, Luke is, he's still at the age of innocence, right? And babies really can do no wrong. I mean, really can do no wrong. Um, but it gets super complicated when the the older they get, the harder it gets, right? Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I have been off of. I, I still have an account on Facebook, but I have I've not logged in in literally five years, six years maybe. Um, <clears throat> but of course, the other challenge is that. Other people who are not you do other things like like your a child or your child will be at another event and they'll be like, oh, this is such a cute pic. And then they'll mm -hmm. they'll post it. They might ask you or they might not. And um, there you are. So it gets it's it's super complicated. Um I mean, I'm, I'm going to pose a theoretical thing because when I was younger and Facebook was a thing. There were times where one who could theoretically be not 21 would be at a party and those photos from the party would be posted and it was like social status that you were out and having fun. Now it's just like nobody thought about ramifications. Nobody thought about consequences because it was just Facebook. Right. I'm I'm like so can I also ask a question do do, do your do your kids David 12 to 20 is quite the range. Do they use social media in the same way? Do they talk about it in the same way? Or like, can they relate to each other? Or is there already a generational gap between them? Yeah, it's um it's a good question. Um the the uh the older uh sphere, um they're they're pretty down on Facebook. They they figure Facebook is for the olds and um they're they're uh, they're pretty limited on their social media because they're 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 busy they're they're doing stuff. Um, the youngest has said, "Oh, when can I get that?" And I can still accurately say this: you are not old enough because uh, uh, terms of service. Um, the, the youngest 13. is still literally, yeah, literally not young enough. Now that someday. Someday I'm not going to be able to say that anymore, and then we're going to have to have a different discussion. Uh, Emotionally, so. you don't meet the terms of service. This is like a very hard line to draw that I remember well from learning how to drive. And I went and I passed my driver's test and I had my fucking license. And I was like, you can't stop me. And my parents were like, oh, yes, you can. <laughs> like, there's, get back here with the car. And I was like, Ooh! and like, now looking back at it, like, I was clearly not like in a good spot to like go off and like have no one in the car with me and drive. I actually think that like a six month period post licensing, while you have to have probably but Richard, what do you think about this? It's so nice to see you, friend. Nice to see all of you. Uh, nice to see you, David. Uh, Good to see you. Long time yeah. no see. Now I can see you. Um, now you have your glasses on, you can see me. Um, there we go. Uh, so, you know, when, when I went on Facebook, when I first went on Facebook, and all I guess always on Facebook, I, I never was really worried too much about saying too much of, about having even occasional pictures of my kids or anything like that, mainly because the people that I was interacting with were, you know, people I knew. And um, and I felt like I could, uh, uh, you know, trust what was going on. Um, Twitter is an entirely different thing. And um, the only 
only time I will mention my kids usually have, uh, you know, will be in passing. Um, it might have something to do with what's going on with them professionally, but they're all, they're all, um, you know, now they're 23 and up, 23, 25, 27, 29 now. And so, um, I, but I, you know, for me now, it's a matter of respecting their privacy, but I've always, but I was concerned when they were younger, um, you know, about, you know, but information that or I would not put in for put things about them on Twitter. Um, and again, for Facebook, it was always for consumption of friends. The one thing that I did did do, though, and you know, maybe it's an abundance of caution, is that I would not, uh, I would not on Facebook be friends with anyone who had not attained their majority, which um, you know, just you know, just to be on the safe side. Because you never know what's going to happen uh, with you know kind of crazy things that would happen, but but um, anyone is a twelve-year-old yeah. dog on Facebook, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, but no, can can I can I ask a question? Because like my obviously I did not grow up with social media. I apologize again for the din in here. I hope I get more parsable. Um, but there is so my parents like I remember this like there would be a Christmas party and my parents would drag me and there's this like stranger that like I've never heard about because my parents wouldn't like tell me about their friends. And this stranger would be like, I know so much about you. I've heard so much about you. And like, I'm like, I hated that. Yeah. I hated that. I was like, I was, you know, I'm like, I'm, you know, on the one hand, it's kind of nice. Your parents love you. I mean, like, I, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, um, but on the, on the, on the other hand, you're kind of like, Oh God, this person, like, what does this person know about me? And like, of course you trust your parents are not kind of like dishing the dirt on you. Right. Like they're bragging about you or doing whatever, uh, hopefully. Um, but, but, but generally speaking, I really wonder like all of these people that are staying in the poll, they wouldn't talk about their kids on Twitter. And I'm like, but you'll talk about them in the workplace. You'll talk about them like with like with your friend group, like you know, like I mean, I I just I'm just trying to like parse the privacy circles and expectations that we have. And I think that that's kind of interesting. Do you have any like insight on that, David? Well, I posting on I I think really it's it's kind of not fair to compare posting on Twitter to posting or to talking with acquaintances within within uh, personal professional circles about the cute thing that that you know my son did the other day it's i i i think it's i think it's not equivalent really um uh i mean as a general i mean i think as a general matter uh parents hopefully in general, uh, uh, execute a little bit of restraint. Um, I I think that the uh, sort of the adage of you know some some old person coming up and up to you and saying, "I know so much about you." Um, I want I, I want to fully say that I I have done two things as an adult that I am like despondently like self-critical. Like I'm like, I do them and then I'm like doing them and I'm like, stop Kate, stop. And it's already like happening. One was that I once pinched a baby's cheeks. Like I literally did it. I fucking pinched the cheeks. And then the second thing was that I like, I have now multiple times to my friends whose children were babies or they were in their parents' bellies when I first met them have said, Oh, I knew you and you were in and like the kids are just like glaze over immediately. Like I used to. And John just looks at me and is like, You are so not cool. You are so not cool. Uh, anyway. But I it uh I'm not a sociologist, but I, I think it's uh I think it's uh the the fallacy of the familiar. It's right. Well, in you you probably get this, you probably get this now. Because you're a you're a big shot, hot shot social media expert, where somebody who has followed your your Twitter thread for like a year, they're like, "Oh, I know so much about Kate." Well, you you know you know this much out of out of you know this much. Oh, that happens to me all the time. Like just now, I'm at a workshop, and like people just start talking to me about things 
that I like the Hertz thing or the whatever thing. I like don't know them from Adam. And like, they just like know this entire story that happened to me. I'm like, I know that it went viral. I know that it was like, but I'm like, that is like not what I'm about. And that is also just like this one moment and you don't even know everything. Like, I don't know. It's very weird. It's true. It's a fallacy. I've never heard that before, by the way, the fallacy of the familiar. It'll it's the title of my new book and uh, I'm I'm trying to shop it around and see if I can get a publisher to pick it up. Do you know any good? Well, don't uh, don't do it too often because then it'll just seem copyright. T -M. Uh, Richard, Paula, Paula, you can unmute yourself whenever. Wait, Kate, aren't you? Now, I, this is interesting. I always just thought of you as like the Hertz lady. That's cold. That is cold, Richard. It's so cold. Oh, wait. Are you my the coat hanger lady now? Oh, okay. I was like, that's this, this is literally the only safe thing I have in arm's length that I can give him to play with. So, yeah, don't tell Alito that. Moving. Okay, sorry. Too soon. Too soon. Sorry. <laughs> I gave a coat hanger to a baby today. Yeah, right? How's that for originalism? Oh, my God. I'm like, you can't. Sorry. Anyways, Paula, what do you think as, the, as, our, as a representative youth? Um, well, it's funny because GDF brought up Instagram and like you guys are talking about like just talking or like sharing photos, but on Instagram, like anyone can become an influencer because brands are like willing to work with people and just give them links. So it's not only like sharing pictures of your baby, it's like sharing pictures of your baby wearing product or like using like your prenatal vitamins or whatever it may be. And then like, it's a picture of your baby with like a link and then... Instagram makes you like disclose that it's an ad. Before and after, here's me with my prenatal vitamins. Here's my beautiful baby. That's so fucked up. They made oh, a God. lot it's of money. Really, like, it's like, it reminded me of the old conversation before like social media came like as big with like people putting their kids in commercials. And it was like, who's like loving like, because like, you I don't know how the contracting works with that. But it's like interesting to see people like put their babies in clothes and like link to the Amazon page of like where they bought it to get the like money back. And it's just a very, <laughs> very strange thing to like see. It's very different than like posting just a picture of your baby. And then another thing and I think GDF saw this as well is like there's also like an opposite like end to that that's also been kind of I think growing with young parents online is like letting not only not purposely sharing like with the same intention that GDF talked about but also letting your kids decide like who they hug now because like you see parents all the time like give your family member a hug or give my like you know their friend a hug or whatever and parents saying like no I'm not gonna let my kid like have be forced to hug someone and like i'm gonna let them start making those decisions on their own as well so this is um a thing that i don't know how i feel about yet i have really mixed feelings and i'm going to share a quick story from this weekend which is that i have a lot of friends who have hi alicia um that we have um that we have like a, i have a lot of friends that have consent based systems that they've set up with their kids you have to consent to be tickled, consent to be hugged, consent to be picked up. I don't think that there's anything so wrong with that, except that there is one little thing wrong with that, was that kids can try to leverage and manipulate power. And that's actually not a small thing. And so, um, for example, I was teaching a friend who has a seven-year-old kid. I was teaching her. She's a little, like, monkey on the gymnastics bar. She's just, like, constantly. And I was teaching her how to do planks. And she asked me to correct, and we were doing planks on the kitchen floor next to each other. And she was asking me how, she's like, am I doing it right? And she's like, tell me how to do it. And so I like pressed her butt down and I like put her like chest up and like, kind of, and then I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like doing this. And then she could see my, my apologies. And then she was like, knew that like traditionally anyone who touches her needs to ask for consent. And then she could kind of leverage this into this, like, I'm really mad at you. And she was also very overtired and very exhausted. And there was a lot of stuff going on. Um, and it ended up, everything ended up fine. I mean, obviously nothing happened. Like it was just kind of like a, but I actually had like this moment of like, wow, this is like so much more complicated than when I was a child in which like I, 
I just will say this, like, I'm very lucky. I had never had any type of, as far as I can remember, any type of bad experience as a kid. But I loved being, like, not, no, like, not trying. This is probably an impolitic phrasing. But, like, loved being manhandled. Loved being picked up. Loved being tossed around. Loved feeling kind of like, loved being thrown over a shoulder. I was obsessed with piggyback rides. Like, I just loved all of that. And so I'm just like really kind of like, does this take away from that kind of like lack of consciousness about yourself, like that you have as a child and that is like a part of innocence and kind of put it in the framework of like politicizing yourself, even as a young kid. I don't know. Anyway, big question. We've been kind of having like conversations about like, so my sister-in-law, whom I love, told me that some people do not use the word no with their children. And if that works for them, that's, their thing. I, I, I use the word no every two minutes. I use no every two minutes. I've seen that end yeah. up really badly. I don't know. That's I've only seen it like twice and they both times ended up terribly. But anyways, I go No, so like the thing that I was talking to Andrew about um a while ago was just like I think it's more important that like he knows to that he can say no more than like the the, the the inverse where it's like you have to get a yet I don't I don't know it's this is again probably not proper but it's it's so hard because it's it's like you can say no but there will be things where your no will have no rights because my yes overrides your no because I'm responsible for keeping you alive and so there's this false power that like it doesn't matter how much you want to give them all this agency they can't have it because he will he doesn't understand gravity and will fall off a cliff because, <laughs> Ooh, that's an interesting shiny object. And I will go there and that's it. And it's like, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's kind of different. I mean, there are, there are two cases or at least two cases. I mean, there's the one case where you want to use no to enforce boundaries for the kid's own good. And then there, and then there are, you know, the other cases where, uh, it's not going to be, um, you know, not be, going to be as clear cut. But I mean, for, uh, but I mean, you've got to enforce some sort of, of boundaries, or your kid's going to get hurt. Right. Yeah. Well, everybody it, does. Everybody enforces some boundaries, even the most lax parents. My next book is going to be titled uh, "No Is a Dial, It's Not a Switch," or I'm sorry, "Agency is a Dial, It's Not a Switch." Okay. So when we talk about agency of kids, right? There's there's some things that they can they can consent to dessert option A over dessert option B, that's cool, um, but they will eat their vegetables before they get dessert. Th that that is, we're not going to negotiate. I once I once watched a three year old screaming in the backseat of a car seat not wanting to get out at midnight to go into her bed, that you can't tell me what to do. You're not respecting my autonomy. You're not respecting <laughs> my autonomy. And I was like, holy fuck, like, who is running the, who is running the ship? Like, is it like the prisoners? I don't understand. Um, Alicia. I'm also, this was on, this was on a farm, just to be clear. I was just, I'm, I feel really ill-equipped to have been brought up here. I don't have children and I grew up on a farm, which meant like we were just left alone to do stuff. <laughs> Mine's brand new, so he hasn't been messed up yet and I'm trying hard not to, but I'm doing my best. <laughs> um, Alicia, what was it like growing up on a farm? What were, like, what was your... I, it's, it was just kind of like growing up decades later than anybody you then later meet in the city. Like we didn't have cable television. We had like four channels. Sometimes on a good day, you'd get something from Toronto. Um, it's just old fashioned, I guess. It's still wild. Actually, does anybody watch Letterkenny? What is that? Good, good. I'm, I'm happy about that. It's a show that was created by people who grew up down the road from me. And um, it's a little awkward to watch. And for whatever reason, I've got- Will someone find the link to Letterkenny? <laughs> and then we promise not to watch it. Yeah, we promise we won't be tainted by it and judge you, Alicia. I will judge you. I'm oh. constantly judging people. I have actually kind of a fun little teaser. So everybody, 
we have gotten someone to agree to come on to talk about cuteness aggression, Alicia. I emailed her and she's gonna come on. Who is this person? Because cuteness aggression was something that was like a bunch of people were studying in the lab that I was at at Yale, um, in Josh Nob's lab actually. So I'm curious who this person is. When, when I'm leaving the country for like four weeks. In June. When, after June 12th? Uh, let me look. Um, uh, so, Alicia, explain the tweet while I look for this. The that's tweet? how it, that that's how it got started. You you just wrote a tweet oh, and you tagged me in oh, it. Oh, yeah. Well, this goes back. CBC had some radio show on, and there was a person who studied cute aggression, and uh, it was like people who just see really cute things like animals or babies, and they just want to squish it. They don't want to hurt it, but they just are so overwhelmed by their need to like. I, I don't want to say molest because that's not the right word, but like. Ah! Um, I suffer from this thing. I do this all the time. It's like the I I literally like go like this with my teeth. It's like terrible. It's like with Nina, I'm like holding her and I love her so much, and like I like I, it's like involuntary. There's a lot of actual this idea of like why we say when things are cute that we want to eat them up or like or eat them or that there is like some type of like instinctive kind of like kind of desire to eat. This is like, it's closely related actually, Alicia, to, sorry, not to like throw some cognitive psych background down on this, but like, I, like I've actually like been doing talks about this, but there's like, it's closely related to Nina Strominger who came on before her work on disgust. It's very similar. It's like the same type of principle, but it's like, in op it's like the opposite. Like the same thing that revulses you and attracts you is like, it's like the same part of the brain. And there's a, but, but cute aggression has actually, they've been trying to do a number of tests on this. So there's a very famous study that they've been trying to replicate and hasn't replicated. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this around the size of eyes in proportion to faces. And so the idea that like eyes when they're big, like with babies or puppies or whatever, is like, we are like biologically predetermined to kind of like see them as cute or attractive and to trust them because they are so large this is also disney princesses there's like a whole bunch of things um but like the, this but then i was actually interestingly watching like one of the studies that i was when i was at yale that actually was a no result on this which was really surprising was that they ran a bunch of like abstracted eyes of various types like goat eye, like things that had different pupils like goat eyes which were rectangular like rectangular or um or like ostrich eyes or lizard eyes like a lot of different types of eyes and like the and like it doesn't actually seem to matter people do not judge cuteness just based on eye shape or size unfortunate to the thing it's actually there there's something else there must be other confounding factors but i thought that was a fascinating study i will try to find out who did that maybe we can have them on i think there was also some theories that we prefer or or like or think animals that have more similar features to us are smarter or better or something so like birds we don't think they're very smart even though crows outsmart most two-year-olds in terms of like water displacement uh versus like dogs where we think that they're like us or cats um because they're like their eyes and where everything is placed is a little bit more like us paula as a as a expert 1l just finishing your first year of law school congratulations paula uh you're almost there um what do you think about um water displacement <laughs> It's not in the Constitution, so I'm gonna, I, it can't be a thing. It cannot be Fuck a thing. Fuck you, Archimedes. Fuck you. This <laughs> is an unenumerated right to water displacement. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we have to read it word for word. Um. So. Uh, I don't know. This has been interesting. Like, I kind of want to like continue. Like, I think this is an interesting conversation about just generally, and then we do have to kind of we'll we'll end a little bit early today. I think because we're in. I like I was beat alone in this bar uh, forty five minutes ago, uh, and now it is like literally full of people, and the music is getting louder and louder. Um, and yeah. Um, but one of the things I, I haven't heard the music though, Kate. Just as an FYI. 
Oh, that's because I told them to turn it off. So. Oh. <laughs> it, it doesn't yeah, sound any worse now than it did before. So we're good. Conflicting uses. This is like, I straight up was like, I know how to manage this. You asked them to change it. <laughs> like, um, but I am kind of, I am, um, I am interested just like, if, um, I don't know, if there is a inclination, like I actually want to hear a future looking inclination. So we have like kind of GBFs. She has an infant on her back, literally like a pakusa, like it is like this, like, you know, like a, like a little, hello, I see you Luke. Um, uh, but GDF, or sorry, not GDF, Paula, like if and when you have children, what is your inclination about how you will do social media with them or do you not want to like even get there yet? Um, I think I like, I think I prefer to be like Lex because I like, I always see these like memes online about like, Hey, remember when like our parents just like, let us like run around the neighborhood and nothing happened. And it's like, <laughs> I had that actually as like an original part of my childhood. So I don't know if like, maybe it's cause I'm on the cusp of like Gen Z and millennial. And that's why I still had that. Um, but like also my parents were super nope, I had that. I had that. We had night tag in my neighborhood, like literal night tag. Yeah. It was like just trespassing. Like no one said it like that. Exactly. We were just running, like it, we would do night tag and I had it my my cult my like neighborhood was a circle with a line through it and like everyone would be on like we would do capture the flag at night and like one side had like the flag and one side had the other and we just like hide in other people's yards like old people that we didn't know. And we would just like run through their yard dressed all in black and with like, and with camouflage makeup on our faces, <laughs> like, like playing night tag, capture the flag. And like, I don't know, I'm really amazed that I'm not dead. So <laughs> I grew up in a super safe neighborhood. So like we played a lot of also um like, just like on, like literally in the middle of the streets. And I wonder how like none of us got like run over by a car. Um, but so I, I don't know if this is like, because I was so relaxed as a kid, my parents were so relaxed or because they were so relaxed, I was so relaxed. But like, there were not very like many restrictions, but I also like never did anything that was like crazy. Like I always joke, like the wildest thing I did was like stay at the gym for like five hours. <laughs> So I don't know like which way it goes, but I also like, I don't think that like, I think the worst case scenario is like you make your kids so afraid of telling you things that they do, they do insane things and then you don't know. So I think I, that's I agree like, with that. the worst case scenario and it'd rather have them like do dumb stuff and then be comfortable yeah. telling you about it than like let it go out of control without you knowing. I think that's the safest. If we, safest choice but maybe i'm wrong i mean i used to have to spy on my younger brothers on social media for my mom so she, they would be friends with me but they wouldn't be friends with her and she was like can i just see your phone for a second and i was like mom. just imagine gdf like remind actually not imagine remind the audience how many siblings you have oh i have seven brothers um, so there's a lot of surveillance happening at any given time, or there was, not anymore. Um, but she was trying to manage boys, and they were, were we were pretty free range, like with limits, I would say. That's the best way to describe us, just because of the number of us. Um, and I don't know. It's I agree with you, Paula. Is like the gist of it. But like, there's there. If she didn't, if she wasn't alerted to a few things. It might have not been great. So it's like, it, there's like, it's a balancing act, right? Like, who knows? I mean, all of this, like, what's social media going to look like in two years from now? That's the other thing, too, right? Like, I feel like I have a handle on, like, what I want to do with what's out there now. Elon's making it more free for everyone. It's going to be great. It's going to be so great. Twitter and again. <laughs> there's it's a like musk in the air that I don't find pleasing. It's like a different type of like thing now too. Like, David like is most, uncomfortable. <laughs> like most kids like have like my age, like know like what, like, like before it was like, don't share your location, which I feel like most people have figured out by now, like at least my age. So I feel like the things it's like, it's like a different type of like, don't do this on the internet than it was before. Like, I feel like people have mastered like 
don't talk to strangers and like share your address. But this is actually, I was actually thinking about this. So, so David and Richard, I would like like your feedback on this. When I was growing up, the big push was like dare, like which was kind of like the keep kids off drugs thing, and then the and then like the stranger danger kind of like don't get in a car with strangers, don't do whatever was like don't talk to strangers and like i was i mean i actually had i'll never forget this i had biked to uh a, it was it was a phase drugstore i don't even think it exists anymore but it was phase and it was like i i went and i biked there i wanted to make jello it was the middle of the summer i was like 12 and i biked there and there was a guy hanging out and he was like asked me if i wanted to make some money and i was like oh mowing lawns or like something and like no no that is not what he meant and I was like you know I was 12 I'm like I had no idea and I remember the dark feeling I got inside like of realizing that this was like a predator and that I was like and like kind of going home and having to like biking home as fast as I could and telling like you know telling my babysitter and my dad that this had happened and like everything but also, like, I was able to, like, really quickly identify it because I had been, like, well primed in kind of this entire idea of not trusting strangers. And I wonder, to a certain extent, when we do some of this exploitation stuff that we've done in the show about, like, things that we're talking about, like, if there is not, like, a need and a call, like, that would be really useful for a PSA type of movement like that, um for this next generation of kids and this next generation of like humans like not just kids like 20 year olds and 30 year olds that are like prone to these types of things i don't know what do people think about that so i you uh i think i i forget which radio show um uh, one of the long form radio shows talking about um, people being uh, people being told, oh, uh, don't be a hitchhiker, don't go into a strange car. But but so maybe it's a radio lab show, but, you know, stories of people who they hitchhike across America and everything. And, you know, it, it improved their life and everything is wonderful. What. But but I think what the issue that you are talking about, Kate, is how to um, how to help people not not be naive about potential um, potential risks, but not to not to like not to not to just walk into every interaction distrusting everybody and thinking everybody's terrible. Oh, I mean, do you know me, David? Like I literally like I like I go into so many situations and have so much trust for people and that is like 100 my default position and it has worked out well for me 99% of the time and I'm incredibly lucky. Um but I guess my point with this particular articulation was like that was a moment in which I literally like it was like, oh, this is the stranger that the stranger danger is talking about. It felt that way. Like there was like a part of the PSA which was like very targeted. And like I just kind of wonder like if there was also a similar, especially when something like the shaming aspect of exploitation, the blackmail aspect, the aspect of exploitation, like takes advantage of a social norm that like a PSA or something like that would like shift the norm enough that there was like this avenue of understanding what had happened to a person. So they wouldn't feel like they had to like give over to this power that was threatening them. Does that make sense? Like they had a narrative that they could engage in that was like, hey, I'm being sexploited. Like this is actually actively a thing that's happening to me. I know how to talk about it. There's a language around it. And so like I think the stranger danger thing, like I want to be perfectly clear. There was one point when I was in like and I was with my brother and we were traveling around Europe together after we graduated from college. And we were like, I will never forget this. It was probably one of the dumbest things I've done. But I went on like a scooter ride with a random man that I had met. Like he like wanted to take me up into the mountains and around um, 
oh my god where was it somewhere in southern france and like i was like okay like whatever and like i told my brother it was going it was like free gps free smartphones we didn't have a smartphone there was nothing and like i was like on this ride and like realizing how isolated i was and like how much could happen and was like this was really dumb like this was like super stupid and i was like freezing up as a person and like but that's different like that was like a conscious choice like this person was a stranger i had like known him from like he was like the manager of the hostel that we were working at there were certain types of connections back to him like i'm talking about like the pure stranger danger like roll down a window your mom told me to pick you up you've never met me type of thing like that type of thing and i guess i'm trying to like make a narrative for that that got created by the psa for that that like doesn't exist now for sex quotation that's i guess what i'm trying to say does that make sense to anyone i don't know if i'm being i was in middle school maybe it's because like i don't know like the internet was like new enough but it was still like i feel like our parents weren't used to it so like we had like internet classes before we got to use the library um on like how to use the internet and i did like a project in undergrad on like how i feel like so like one of the things we learned about was like when you look at like um like urls like you can see what's a part of the url without clicking on it like a dot like basic information and i was thinking about like how adults now on like facebook will like read a source and like not be able to clearly identify that it's like bs and which is like a basic lack of like computer literacy of like how to read a url but like we were forced to learn that in school and like you got dare through school and you got like those like educational things and I don't know if that's still a thing but like as cheesy as that stuff was like I at least got the information I don't know how you get that information now I think the you name know, of the I, program should be shame <laughs> well I I think the other part of the of the puzzle which takes a long time is that for young people to have adults that they trust to tell anything, including the fact that when they talk to this person, they felt uncomfortable. They, they need to have somebody that they can have that discussion with. Hopefully, but not in all cases, maybe it's a parent or maybe it's another trustworthy adult, but it, it's, it's really, it's hard. It's, it's really complicated. I think that's like a big thing because like stranger danger is like might be different than someone trying to blackmail you like because if someone's trying to blackmail you and let's say they already have stuff of you and you don't want to tell someone that like someone has images of you because they will actually shame you right which is might be different than like telling you like someone like an adult like hey this stranger was following me that's a huge difference like being able to tell someone without them like saying it's your fault or like you shouldn't have been in this position but like but like what you're kind of like I, and i i don't want to like kind of other you for being younger but like what you're kind of missing about stranger danger was like that wasn't a thing you were supposed to trust strangers you were supposed to trust your neighbors and like people in your community like that i think that that was like what's and like tell me if i'm wrong david or richard like and i'm not trying to like make you as the old like <laughs> kind of be like on the hook here i know can you hear me I know, but um, but I really want to know. Like, I feel like there wasn't like stranger danger was like an accountability for like a certain segment of the population that wasn't being held accountable. And I'm not like trying to like say like like also like Paul like you wouldn't have any way of knowing this, but like it felt like when I learned that it was like a new thing that they were trying to teach kids. It felt new, and that was like I would say in the early '90s. Like the like does that make sense? I think they, you mentioned the early 90s, you know, that we were in, uh, we were living in Minneapolis when, um, when Jacob Wetterling disappeared. And I, I don't know if it's big in my, you know, I remember it well, I don't know how much national coverage it, it got, but it was very much in our, in our, um, in our minds, you know, the whole time, especially after, you know, our, our first child was born in 92, which was about three years after that. And it definitely affected the way that we, um, you know, the, what we told our children and, you know, how, how protective, maybe how overprotective we were of them to the point that when my oldest daughter, you know, got a little bit, you know, she was 
don't know, five or six. And uh, uh, I think she, we introduced her to somebody and she said, are you a stranger? And so, um, you know, it was to the, so I, we almost went overboard. I wonder, you know, for, to some extent, though, I wonder how much of the perception is just, you know, it's driven by the, you know, the news coverage that that's around it and may not have, um, you know, might not have that strong of an empirical, um, might not, might not stand up to data, for example. Um, but I certainly know that it, it skewed the way that we, um, you know, it, it, it may have skewed how protective of our kids we really were at that time. And it was, you know, as parents, we lived kind of, you know, at least I lived in some degree of fear of something happening to my kids and did for a long time. Um, I think and then they hit adolescence and became here. indestructible. <laughs> Alicia, you made a really great point, and I would like it in the in the chat, and I would love it if you surface this, because I do think that this is like one of the, the main empirical problems with the stranger danger concept. So, yeah, I mean, we didn't really have that because you would not really have strangers coming around. So our biggest threats for death would be getting hit by a car in a car accident or some other sort of accident like that. So your more warnings were like, don't go out on the highway, um, which a highway to us is like a two lane country road. So just going to qualify that before anybody assumes we had something bigger. Um, so the bigger danger would be coming from people who you knew. I mean, most abuse would happen from family members, not mine, but that would be what would happen and you wouldn't necessarily hear about it. And uh, even we did have a girl who did come forward about that in, in, in elementary school. And uh, we tried to kind of help her and then it just, it ended badly, let's just say. And that was kind of pre-internet being really common. Um, I think the bigger thing, and, and this is now where I'm getting to, is that it's your peers. You have a bigger danger from your peers abusing you, bullying you, and doing something to you. I mean, something that I think about, because I came through pre-social media. I was online, but there wasn't like connectivity between most kids, and a lot of kids weren't geeks like me, so they weren't using the internet in the same way, uh, is that I am so glad I didn't grow up on social media. Because I am embarrassed already about the things people remember, the stupid things I did, and those people are still alive and can tell me about it. I would be mortified if that shit was online. I have, I have such, I have such a strong story about this, which was when I was fifteen. I had a live journal account, so this must have been nineteen ninety nine, I can't actually remember what my exact age was but my AP chemistry teacher turned to me and said I'll never forget it in my second period class she was like just turned to me she's like my apparently without my knowledge my live journal account had gone around the faculty lounge at my high school and everyone had read it and she was like I'm so embarrassed for you and like there was like I mean like literally like Alicia like it was like nothing like there was nothing I mean it was like it was a teenager's sanitized diary it was like there was nothing happening it was just a lot of emotions and feelings and like i'm so sad and i love my boyfriend so much and i'm so sad and i love my boyfriend so much so i was like literally it over and over again <laughs> like, I was like, ah. I'm like, uh i think i'm gay maybe not i don't even know if i said that online at the time um because of, i was like actually kind of uh aware uh of things and like she just turned to me and she's like, I'm so embarrassed for you. I'm so embarrassed. Like, you're never going to live this down. And I was like, bitch, you are like so out of it. Like, you don't know what this world is and like what's going to happen. And I will never forget that. It just was like a very, it was like a really salient moment for me. And I just like, but I still live this way and I, I still try to keep that in mind while I watch young people post things that I would not post or put out on social media and like things like, shut up, Paul, I'm not talking about you. It's not all about you. <laughs> I'm with Devin Noon's lawyer. What kind of teacher says that? 
What? Oh, oh, um, oh, I don't know. Like a hateful teacher, bitter teacher. It's like there's lots of them in public schools. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, yes, there's so many. Like, um, no, she was awful. And uh, and like, I just kind of like, I just, I just, um, you know, like just having the big heart for people's growth and like what they're going to do and what they're going to do and how they're going to get through it whether it's public or private like helping them try to do it in the best way possible for them I think that the, it's a responsibility as people who understand these spaces and understand the longevity of them and I like Jesus Christ like Facebook I was on Facebook in 2004 and it's almost going to be 20 years it's like crazy to think about I remember like literally no one's gonna believe me when I say this. I remember talking to one of the guys down my hall about getting on Facebook and he was like, is that like match.com? Is that like eHarmony? I, I don't wanna be seen doing online dating. That's like so not cool. And like, hello, like here we are in like, bump, I mean like literally all the internet is right now is online dating like i feel like i mean so anyways like the norms around this stuff shift so much and um yeah so i'm gonna end can i like say something to you yes but please paula okay. paula you have the last word I want to say it's what's interesting about that though is like trying to create the balancing act of like actually like being genuine online because like that is something that like people now respect versus in some circles and it's becoming like more and more something is just like being a genuine human being and like connecting with people as a new network even for like like employment versus like what's the line and there's like a balancing act and I think that's the new thing of trying to figure out what that is yeah I think that people in online spaces have been saying this for a long time that they will start to recreate real world they're not exceptionalist they will just re recreate real world power structures and real world relationships and we're gonna have to deal with that as it happens and with that uh, we have to end um, we're not allowed to have that anymore but Genevieve in lieu of fun we have interesting conversations about privacy which is a right that the Supreme Court holds dear for themselves. All right, bye everybody. Swish, swish. Bye, <laughs> bye, bye.